Listen to this. Zakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> said it again. Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Oh, what's up, Sounders fans? Uh, we're coming to you just days before the team gets back on the pitch for Western Conference final. I forget how many they've had now, but this will be against Minnesota United. Um, great game, honestly. Looking forward to it. I think it's two really good teams. Christian, first question for me. Um, you still live with your brother, right? I do, yeah. How does it feel to be roommates with the new Danny Alves? Best player on Sounders FC. <laughs> well, let, let's be clear. He lives with me, and... Uh, <laughs> I pay the bills, you know, I take care of him. So he's my little brother, um, but I'm proud of him. And uh, he's doing so well, playing with confidence. And uh, like Brad said, plays plays a bit like Danny Alves, you know, good passer of the ball, um, smart player, um, you know, not the most athletic, but uh, picks his moments to go, to go up. And, uh, you know, that, that position really suits him. How aware were you in the off-season when, you know, things were looking like it was ending for him and then there was talk of, you know, if you want to stay, you've got to switch position. Like, how do you remember anything from that process and are you surprised at how well he's actually done when he's played in big games as well? Uh, no, I'm not necessarily surprised about how he has played um, because I, I expected him to, to, to do well. Um, I am surprised that he finally got his opportunity in the playoffs. Um, that's what I, I, you know, I'm surprised about, but you know, injuries happen and, and, and Calvin, uh, unfortunately got injured in practice, but Alex stepped in and, and did his part. Um, now when we went into the off season, I remember talking to him and, you know, basically, um, suggesting that right back might be a really good spot for him. Um, not having a backup, uh, you know, with sod leaving and, um, him being open and, and, and ready to learn that, that position was something that, um, that, that he all, he did on his own. And, and so, um, going into the off season and having a little bit of conversation about that. And now he thinks himself as a right back and, and that that's a good thing. Good thing. Um, you know, people get sick and tired of, of hearing Steve and I try to break down the next opponent. And, and I want to hear from you about this, what, what you're thinking about this Minnesota team. Um, you know, you haven't played them yet, and they, uh, they showed up in KC. And goals change games. We've heard that a million times, right? Um, could have gone both ways. So br- break it down for the fans and, and what we should expect um, and, and what you guys need to do also uh, come Monday night. Well, I think you said it, goals change games, right? Kansas City puts a goal away. Um, we, we might be talking about Kansas City. And so what I thought Minnesota did extremely well was when they absorbed those punches, um, they countered with a goal. And that goal came really out of uh, brilliance from, from Kevin Molino, you know, letting the ball go. I think he, he knew what he was doing in that moment. Um, and then the give and go, obviously. But what I think we need to do is win the midfield. I didn't think Kansas City – um, did so right uh, I didn't think they put enough pressure on their false number nine that comes down right uh, Lude um, Kevin Molino who comes in from a left uh, mid position and um, 
and uh, I'm blanking out on his name right now. Reynoso. Um, yeah, Reynoso. Reynoso coming down, right? And, and, and you know, once he is uh, facing his own goal, we got to be tight. Uh, Kansas City let him turn and play any ball he wanted to, to, to play. And then making those guys defend. Uh, that's extremely important, important, right? Those guys don't want to defend. I think Ethan Finley's really the only guy that is, is happy to uh, do that work. So um, being really tight in the midfield, um, being smart, not losing the ball in, in tough, um, you know, positions where they can counter um, and following on run, our runners because uh, they're really fluid in, in the attack uh, and with their give and goes. I, I know you've done a lot of jobs for the club already on the pitch, but what a breakdown. I think you have a career as an analyst um, when you're done. So just keep your options open. That was a great breakdown. Um, I, 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 I want to talk about you for a sec because, you know, you came in through the team. I think 2016, if I remember correctly, was sort of your breakthrough. You started playing. And essentially, unless you've gone for the national team, you haven't missed many games, I don't think. You're one of the first names on the team sheet. This uh, is your fifth or sixth year, I think, for the Sounders. Um, and again, you continue to improve and improve and improve. You spent time again. We always talk about this at right wing. You've gone back to centre mid now. Um, and I think this was the first year for me, I could be wrong, where when I watched you play right wing, you looked like a winger. You were going, you weren't coming inside as much. You still did, but you would go down the line again against Vancouver. You had a couple of assists. You were really looking like a winger. Is that something you focused on or is it just the more you've played that you've got comfortable doing some things that you weren't before? Yeah, I think the, the focus w was there because um, I knew going into this season I would I would play wide, and understanding that th we we need balance, right? We we need someone that's going to stay high and wide, um, whether on the inside of the left back or on the outside, um, because Calvin, it, it's hard for Calvin to just get up and down the field, right? So there are times where I need to play out wide. And so my focus was that, um, and, and I think that partially due to the national team, national team, um, when I play as a center mid, as a 10, I kind of end up as in the same spots as the winger um, in, on the Sounders. So um, partially being, being part of the national team and, and that helping me uh, transition into that wide role. Um, and then just understanding the, understanding the balance that we need um, because Nico is going to fill those spots with the amount of running that he does, right? So just not, not being in his way a lot of the time is, is, was my job um, as a right mid, understanding where he's at. Um, you've been here since 2016. You've seen a number of really good teams already in your tenure. How is this team that much different than in years past? And what makes this team, um, you know, a lot of people are talking, is this the best team that the Sounders have ever had? Uh, where, what, what are people seeing and what are you seeing on the inside? Well, I think we're, uh, we have a lot of depth, uh, be honest with you. I think we have four left backs, uh, that can be a starter in any team. Um, you know, we have a left back playing right mid that is versatile, right? With JJ. Um, we have Alex competing with Calvin, uh, for that right back spot. Shane O'Neill has done a, a tremendous job coming in, um, for Javi and, and really solidifying, um, you know, that spot uh, as of, as of late. And then you talk about Will Bruin, right. And, and then you talk about Gustav, myself, Jao, um, competing for a center mid role. I mean, you have competition in, in the team and, mm -hmm. um, and then you have young guys developing. So I think, you know, the depth that we have this year is, is really good. And I think it's uh, better than from years past. And I think that's, that's kudos to the front office for, for doing their part. 
Um, and then I think we have ball winners in the back. We have guys that are willing to step into the midfield um, with our center back and a lockdown left back, you know, and, and I think not being afraid to step these days is, is really important because the midfield gets overrun, overrun a lot of the time. And, you know, having center backs to, to be willing to play one V one is, is really the difference I think. And then obviously the, the three guys up top are, are killing it and, and their movement is, is very fluid. Christian, uh, uh, last one for me. Um, I don't know if you guys are allowed to think this way or you allow yourself to, but if you win on Monday night, it's going to be four finals in five years. Four finals in five years. The chance to get the third MLS Cup for the club. Is this fair to say that if you do that, this is a dynasty? I think we need to win the final to, to be in that conversation still. Um, I think you still need that killer mentality to... Um, to for the for the people to to really say hey this is dynasty you know I don't think going to a final and losing it uh, necessarily gives you that dynasty role because then you'd be you'd win half your finals and you know that's that's not what dynasties do so we have to win uh, to be in that conversation um, and I think the the boys are are happy to have that pressure you know it, it's it's fine with us but uh, we need to, we need to live up to it and and so. Uh, I think that's our attitude going forward. Um, but we have a tough game in Minnesota. We can't we can't look past them, and um, we have to be at our best to, to beat them. Um, I, w- I was thinking about this today, and often, and I know Steve does too. I often think about like the players that I would have loved to had a chance to play with in years past. And being with a club for you know ten years with the Sounders, it was uh, you got to play with everyone, right? Um, I would have loved to play with Raul. Uh, so I want to know, with the Sounders, give me, like, the top three players that you wish you could have played with, looking back on, like, the Sounders <laughs> history. I- I'm going to throw you a-, a layup here. Christian, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm not going to say much. I'm going to say this. If you played right wing when I was left, you'd have 10 goals a year. Just come to the back post. Just come to the back post. That's it. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, for sure. I mean, Steve is is, is up there. You know, Steve is number one. Um, I think Freddie too in his prime. Oh man, I, I would have loved to to play with those guys. Um, Lumberg or Montero? <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, Montero. I mean, Lumberg is a is a. I've heard great stories about him, um, and and what great. he uh, could do on the pitch. Um, he didn't have like the the career I think that he wanted to have in Seattle because he wasn't here for too long. Um, but yeah, you know, I I wish I would have played with DeAndre to be honest um, when he was here because man the energy that he brought the the recovery that he has um, and I remember that that recovery I think in Philly or something yeah, Philly. where he just got back um, and having someone like that was would be nice, you know, and we have that in, in Nuhu, right, with, with his recovery. And, um, but I think, the, you know, those three would, would, would be fun, fun pair or fun, fun trio. So no, no Oba, huh? I played with Oba. Played oh, he did, he did. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. 2015. 2015, that's right. Yeah, he, he would give me a couple stairs here and there. Um, yeah, that was, that was first year, <laughs> though, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a little but bit he, different. He said my name once, so, like. Yeah, that's like cool, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, Gresham, before we let you go, people always ask me, oh, you know, in your prime, who was faster? You, Jordan, DeAndre, Darwin, all these questions. You can never really answer them. I want to ask you, who's actually fitter, you or Nico? Who would win a beep test between you and Nico? And see, the thing is I have more power than Nico. So the beep test requires more pushing off, you know, with your right and left foot. But Nico, if he's at one pace, he'll blow me out of the water. And so, but, but when you add a cutting um, aspect to, to the running, I think I may beat him out. But there's no stopping Nico uh, on the field. Uh, his dynamic stress load and the amount of, of ground he covers. Um, but I'll tell you this. If you put a ball in front of Nico, he's beating me. <laughs> because he he ball watches so much right he just wants the ball he, he's glued to the ball so uh you put a ball nico wins uh you put cutting involved i think i win yeah, nico is a nico's a true golden retriever <laughs> like oh, just ball, 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 ball. uh thanks christian i appreciate it man good luck yeah man you got good it luck, man. appreciate it awesome Before we look ahead, let's look back a little bit. The Sounders beat Dallas, and a lot of people said, you know, it wasn't a great performance and it could have gone either way, which is true. But I felt the Sounders needed that win because a lot of times when they win in the playoffs, is Nico, Raul, Jordan, those guys score. Now, to have a game where those guys weren't bad, they weren't at their best, and you still found a way to win, found a way to keep a clean sheet and advance, I think in some ways the team needed that. Um, to be clear, I think to win MLS Cup, those guys have to be firing. They have to be on the goals, on the assists. You're not going to win with Shane O'Neill scoring headers the next two rounds. So I think going forward, yeah. But you have to win in different ways um, as a team like this, especially if you do have to go to Columbus uh, for, the, for the final, which is the only way we wouldn't host. Uh, th- that would be a tough game. And I don't know you can expect those front three, those monsters up top to just kill teams all the time. So that's what I felt was actually quite a positive, to be honest. Um, I don't know how you saw the game, Brad. I was actually impressed by Dallas. I thought Luchi Gonzalez's game plan, once they settled, I thought it was fantastic. He didn't sit too deep, which teams have done against the Sounders and then lose um, a lot of their attack. He didn't go toe-to-toe like San Jose tried and Galaxy tried. He had a good balance. They defended well enough to prevent Jordan and Nico Raul from doing what they normally do. And then they were quite dangerous on the counter, but I don't think they had the players to really trouble the Sounders. But I thought tactically Dallas were right. Could have scored, hit the post, um, had some good chances. It was a good game, but I loved the way the Sounders won. I thought it was fitting that Shane O'Neill, who's had a great year, scored. Um, and, yeah, to win 1-0 in that way where your stars aren't at their best, I think you have to win games that way sometimes. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think Dallas came out and uh, it was a bit unexpected. I don't think anybody's come in here and played like uh, they do or they did that night. So, to, so for the Sounders, maybe a little bit shell-shocked. Um, you know, I think there were opportunities in the first half. I, and I know that Ziggy told you this also, that when you isolate the right back, you just got to take him on five, six, seven, eight times. You got to wear him down. Now the right back, you know, Robinson for, for Dallas is extremely athletic and fast as lightning. So I think that threw off Jordan a little bit. So I think he needed more from, um, you know, knew who on the night to really, break him down. So I think he's actually a good right back. Um, but I thought the game plan was 
was uh, was good from the Sounders. Absorb a little bit, um, and then at the end, catch them on a counter, win some free kicks, and win different ways. But I, I think, you know, throughout the playoffs, yes, in general, you're going to have to have your big players step up. But when I think about, you know, a championship I won in Columbus, it was Alejandro Moreno scored the opening goal, and then it was Chad Marshall and Frankie Hayda to score the next two goals, right, from set piece. Uh, and then, you know, you go to the championship in 2016 where it goes to penalty kicks, right? Any hero can step up. Open cups where Chad Barrett scores the first goal, um, you know, and then you kind of run down the line. Ozzy Alonso scores a fantastic yeah. goal. And so yeah. I think in these big games, you have to rely on everyone. Um, okay, yes, you want your star players performing extremely well, but at the same time, now Shane knows, now uh, Yamar knows, hey, this goal can come from anywhere tonight. You know, Lear Dom in the final to kick it off last year. So the goal's got to come from other places if you want to uh, win a championship. And it's great that you can still win a game. And obviously at home, it's huge, I think, even without the fans to be home. I think that'll play yeah. into, into the Sounders' hands on Monday night. Yeah, um, I, I don't know how much you saw of the game. Um, last night at the time of this recording on Minnesota, I watched them play, I forget the first one, Colorado, I think it was. Um, yeah. And they give you chances, but they get out on the break so well. They remind me, Reynoso, the number 10, he came mid-season, not the same level. He's had a Lodero-like impact for them. I mean, he, their last 12 goals, he has 10 assists. Like yeah, he's crazy. Everything, everything happened. And his combination with Molino reminds me of Lodero and Morris. Exactly the same. You have one guy that likes to run behind off the ball, good movements. Another one who, you know, seems like he has eyes in the back of his head and can see any pass. It's the same. Now, Morris and Adero have performances that have bought silverware. That's the difference. These guys have done it for three weeks or six weeks. Um, those guys have been doing it for three or four years now. So that's the difference. But they scare me a little bit. I do think the Sounders win. Minnesota scares me because I think that front four, Finley, Lude, Reynoso, Molino, I think they can really get at the Sounders. I, I don't know if Alex Rodon will play. If he does, or if Leda now is ready, because Molino would scare me against Alex Rodon. Again, Alex has proven me wrong many times. He stopped yeah. Pavon, did a good job against LAFC. Molino's good because he's not going to try and just dribble you. He's off the ball movement. He comes inside. He's clever. And I think for Alex, he hasn't seen a player like this yet. That scares me. But Minnesota scared me a little bit. I won't lie. One, one thing I will say, though, is, you know, Kansas City likes to line up with just Ilya as a defensive midfielder, and then Roger and Busio sit in front. And I think that's where Minnesota found their advantage, were, um, you know, the, the strikers in a false nine coming off the back line and finding that space. I mean, that's how Molino scored. He kind of comes from a wide space, comes inside, and then checks back, finds his line, and then loses one of the center backs, right? So I think the Sounders are more well-equipped positionally to deal with Minnesota's lineup. I think our two center backs are obviously heads and tails above uh, Minnesota's center backs. And I think our two defensive midfielders match up with the uh, front four of Minnesota much better than Kansas city does. Um, you know, if, if I was, you know, watching the sporting game, sporting should have scored in the first, you know, it could have been two nil in the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but if they go up one nothing, I think that Rogers sits back a little bit more with Ilya, and it changes the game completely. But in saying that, that's that's not how soccer goes. We can't just sit here and say, "Oh yeah, if they do this, they'll win." But I do think that this matchup, um, it's it's one where you don't really know. Kind of like LAFC, you know, the yeah. the left midfielder comes in who's 16 years old, who's shifty. You don't know much about him, and he has a better game than you think he would because nobody knows what to expect, right? 
And I think that's a little bit like this team. They haven't come, they haven't played too many games on turf this year either. That's one advantage for the Sounders, obviously. Um, but we don't know much about this Minnesota team, but watching them, man, yeah, dangerous, dangerous front four. The Sounders have won two games in the playoffs with the same lineup, essentially. If you're Schmitz, do you change? Do you bring Kelvin back? Do you, do you change a winning team? I mean, Gustav, maybe you need his experience. And I don't like this. There's, there's, there's question marks in this game. I don't know what you would do if you were Schmitz. Yeah, I, I don't think right now you change Christian or uh, Jao Paulo. I think that they're developing something right now that has worked in the past two games. I don't, I don't think that's one. But if Kelvin is truly 100% fit, then I would plug in Kelvin right now. Um, you know, as, as awesome as Alex has been, I would hate for the Sounders to look back on this game and say, oh, I wish we would have, you know, plugged in Kelvin because he gives that, you know, veteran uh, experience and he's, you know, been good in one-off games and playoff experience. Um, right now you need the best players on the field and that'll be a, a big question mark. But if I'm sitting in the coach's office and Kelvin is 100% and he's trained the last two weeks full out, then yes, I'm, I'm putting Kelvin in the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, but if he is even hindering a little bit, you can't really risk that against a, a Molino, right? Like he's yeah. too shifty. He's too good. You need somebody that's a hundred percent going up against him. Yeah. I, I, that's actually a good point. Um, another thing I wonder, and I know people's minds will go to this. I have a little bit of a different take on, you know, obviously Ozzy's coming back. We know that, um, in the past it was his job to stop the other teams. Number 10. Um, so Ozzy and Ladero will be a battle. I actually don't think it will be. I don't think it's a direct matchup. I think Nico moves around too much. I think if Ozzy is smart, when Nico goes to the wide areas, he just passes him on. I think Ozzy has to save his legs for when Nico's actually in the danger area centrally. And then I think Ozzy actually has the advantage. I don't think Nico's like a dribbler. I don't think he's going to dribble by Ozzy. I think Nico has to combine around him. If Ozzy, and I can see Ozzy doing this, is a little bit pumped up, a little bit too excited, and wants to prove to Garth up in the stands that you made a mistake, and chases Nico all over the pitch, Nico will kill him because Ozzy doesn't have the legs anymore. He'll be gassed. So it, it will be a matchup in some sense. I think if Ozzy swipe, I'm Adrian Eve, I'm telling Ozzy just calm down, play like a normal game, sit, just sit here, win the interceptions, keep possession. Don't try to chase him like it's 2009, 2012 even because um, I don't think you can chase Nico. So that, that'll be a good matchup, but I don't think it's a direct matchup. And on the other side, I don't know that the Sounders have anyone to directly stop their number 10, Reynoso, as well. He's very, very good. Very good. So that almost maybe you do by committee. I don't think Christian or Joao Paulo are lockdown defenders. Um, they, they, they do a good job together, applying pressure. But I think it's a simple way of viewing the game. It's almost, for me, whichever number 10 is more influential, um, I think that team has such a big chance to win the game. Such that's, that's where I would kind of lean towards whichever one of those two is less shut down on the night. Because they're the lifeline. Jordan, Raul depend on Nico. Molino, Finley depend on Reynoso. But um, I'm just curious what you'd see the Aussie mm. and Nico matchup. In 2020, I think it looks a bit different. Yeah, I think, in, you know, anytime you go to a new team and you know that your club, you know, doesn't value you anymore, the next first game is the game that you try to make an impact. And you say, hey, you know, this is why I deserve, you know, to still be on this team. As the years go by and times go by, you know, Ozzy has now been there for two, two, plus, two years now, right? Just, just two years. So he's had his time to make his mark and say, hey, this is what I did for the club. But now it's all about Minnesota for him, I think. I think he's proven his point. He knows where he's at in his career and his longevity. And to get the most out of Ozzy, like you said, he can't be that pit bull on the pitch anymore. He just can't. 
He can't be as influential. So it's winning second balls for him now that becomes so essential. Kind of like Beckerman has as his career has gone on. Instead of really sliding in and knocking guys off the ball, he's more of the, hey, I'm going to put myself in a great position to win this ball and connect and get the play going. As evident as the, as the uh, you know, Kevin Molino's goal, you know, the other night. Ozzy wins the ball, plays it wide, and then it's a good combination play. In terms of Reynoso, I think that you can be more physical with him in a smart way than you can with Nico. I don't think he runs around as much as Nico, and I think Christian right. can have some success. And, and Jao Paulo as well, because I, I think they're both really strong on the ball, and you have to keep him on his right foot. I mean, I guess it's the same with Nico, but still, with this Reynoso, he's less experienced in the league and with his team, where when things open up, yes, he can pick out a pass, but you got to put him under pressure. Um, it'll, be a, it'll be a tough matchup for sure, and I think – but I will say, I think Molino – is better at creating opportunities than, let's say, like a Raul on his own. Oh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think, no, you know, what, yeah. what Mino has done this year kind of on his own, right? I think, you know, what, five, six game-winning goals? Um, I think that's impressive in and of itself. And so that maybe is a difference maker there. Um, so it, it's going to be a tough matchup either way. But I think, like you said, Sounders have an advantage. Um, you know, but – what do you think about the keep goalkeeper situation? I mean, this keeper makes a fantastic save. He can't keep that up for another round, right? No, I don't think so. That's the thing, because last year this team had the goalie of the year, and he's gone. Then they signed Ty Miller to be the star. He's gone. So this guy wasn't even supposed to be there. I think most games the Sounders go into between the sticks, you have an advantage just by virtue of having Steph. Sounders defensively are better than Minnesota, I think, as well. That's where the difference will be. So I felt the same way against LAFC and it proved to be true. Just defensively, the Sounders are really good. Minnesota give you chances. And I remember their first round game, Colorado had a ton of chances and they couldn't score. And last night, of course, Sporting could have been two, yeah. maybe three goals up after 25 minutes. So give those to Raul, give those to Jordan at this time. Nico, I think the Sounders are better in that sense. Sounders don't give up too many. They'll give up one or two big chances a game. Um, so I think that's the advantage. I think offensively, it's almost the worst. Because I agree with you. I think Molino is more than a winger. He's goal dangerous. He can play make. He comes inside. He does this. And that, that maybe is an area of concern because with Jovan Jones playing right mid, you know, you, you want to give Alex a bit more cover. Maybe if Molino's going 1v1, is Jovan going to be disciplined enough to always get back? Is he fit enough to get back for 60, 70 minutes and double up because you need to? at times. So there's a lot of tactical um, um, areas to think of. I I'm with you, though. I think the Sounders have the advantage. I think it is the better team. I think home pitch advantage still counts. Um, the traveling Minnesota's doing less days of rest. All of that, I think, will come in yeah. 60th, yeah. 70th minute. You'll start to see um, a little bit. And then you have to pray that the Jordan does show up. You have to pray that, you know, Nico does show up. Nico will. You have to pray that Raul shows up. Jordan's the one that's still, again, fantastic player. I still think there's times where I want more. And it's really harsh on the kid because he has double-digit goals. It's just uh, it's us being selfish. We want, yeah. we want to see more because we know, we know he can. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I have that same question. And a lot of people text me all the time like, hey, what was up tonight, you know? And it's like because he didn't score a goal and have two assists or score two goals and have an assist. Like, well, you know, sometimes tactically the other team gets the better of you. If you match up with a really fast player, then that's where the tactical side of soccer has to – that next soccer IQ is what's going to get him to the next level. And he still needs to be taught that on a day-in, day-out basis. But how, how do you motivate Joven Jones? That's my question. Is it uh, – Yeah. 
Do you have is it is it is it a do you have to consciously get him the ball consistently in the first ten minutes of the game and say, Hey, go, go, get at him, do do your thing. So he doesn't feel like he's just covering for Jordan when he goes forward. Um is that the situation or is it just lack of internal motivation? What what do you see? A, a little of both, but I was thinking about this. And I actually was trying to remember, I don't think Jovin, even in his first spell, was ever great at right mid for the Sounders. Right. He's a really good left back. Yeah. And I think that still is his best position. Because Jovin, at left back, when he can kind of join the attack late and catch people off guard, make overlap, it's different when you're starting out there, you're stuck out wide, you receive the ball and you have players pressuring you right away. I think that's where he's struggling a little bit. Um, unless it's like against San Jose in that 7-1 win or nil win when um, um, they just gave him space. I think, I, I'm thinking if the position doesn't help. I think he does struggle with um, keeping himself in the best shape possible. I don't think he thinks about that. Training high intensity mm-hmm. every day. I don't think he thinks about that. I think he has so much talent and quality that he can turn it on. But he has an easier job turning it on from left back. But right now, Nuhu has to play. Like Nuhu yeah, has yeah, to play. Sure, there is sure, absolutely sure. no way you can take Nuhu out of the lineup. Nuhu, I think, has cemented himself above Brad Smith, above Jovan Jones, above Majala. Credit to him. He's, he's, he's risen to the challenge and he's been fantastic. So if Jovan wants to play, you have to play on the right. But I honestly think you get more from Christian on the right. I think Christian began to play on the right and give you a lot more. He can, he can come inside to defend when he needs to. He will give you more cover on his brother at right back. Then Gustav, is he gonna, so I, I think that's going to be a big, big question for the coaches. I think, and yeah. Gustav, knowing him from what I know, he's probably knocked on the door seven or eight times already. Like, hey, I'm good to go if he's fit. If um, I, I think so. So, yeah, Jovan's a tough one. Shane O'Neill was on a podcast a couple of weeks back and said he's the best, most talented player in training. And I'm not surprised right. to hear that. But, I mean, you played with him. I know him. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not too surprised that. I, I think he does struggle with motivation at times. Um, but I wonder if I wonder if part of it is Nico, right? Like he feels like he has to get the ball to Nico all the time. And Nico's so dynamic and he comes on the right and, you know, he, then he goes to the left and maybe it's too much. It's not too much thinking for Joven, but it's too much. Um, if I take a chance here, then I'm going to get yelled at for not covering my right back. And, and maybe it's at left back. He's a bit more free because he starts, like you said, he starts from the attack late um, maybe I would be interested to see how he plays consistently at a right mid role without Nico. And he plays more like he does with Trinidad where he's the man kind of setting things up. So maybe he feels a bit more role player ish on the right. I don't know. You know, funny story at, at the end of last year, chance chance Myers texted me or called me and he was like, Hey, you know, we're looking at building our roster in Nashville. And he was asking questions about Nuhu, And I was like, look, I don't, you know, I understand that everyone sees his athletic ability but his crossing is lacking. His, you know, passing is lacking. Um, but he still was only like, what, 19 years old at the time. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I don't think you should take a chance on him. Um, you know, but who, who, what do I know, right? right. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if they made a push for, um, for Nuhu. But then this year he comes in and his passing has really improved. He's been so much calmer on the ball. No crazy tackles. No flailing of the arms. He really seems focused on his, uh, on his game right now and really connected with the back four. And if that, that progression, if somebody asked me now this offseason, I would say, yeah, take a chance on him for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, right? It's crazy how, you know, 10, 12 months 
makes a massive difference in the view of a player. Um, I think he's got a really bright future if he can still, you know, if these guys can continue to coach him and uh, tactically and technically get him to where he needs to be. No, I I agree completely. I think, yeah, I think he's top five left back in the league right now. If he can improve on the other end, he goes even higher. Um, You raised a good point, Joe. I've always been curious about this because you said, you know, Jovin, there may be a pressure to have to give Nico the ball. I remember when Jordan Morris' rookie year, where Jordan can maybe know he can beat the guy and finish, but Clint's in the middle. If you don't pass to Clint, it's going to be a very long rest of the game when he's staring at you. And we've all been there. I mean, my, but I, I almost feel like you have to just do it to get out of the way. I remember Lundberg used to always want me, no matter what, to give him the ball, even if I was in the better position. And then one time I just didn't do it. I just took the shot and missed, and then let him get all yelling out of the way. And then, that, then after that, there, there was no more. So I almost wonder if you have to, but... Is that is that can that be a detriment? Because I feel like I don't know if Shaloto was at that with you guys at Columbus, but I feel like some of those really big players, Nico's not in this bracket, but I feel right. like Lumberg, because in his mind he still felt he had influence. I'm the best, but it, that wasn't the reality. So it was you're, you're caught in a tough spot where you want to give him the ball out of respect, um, but you actually can do more than him at that stage of your careers. So that was a bit of a challenge. Nico's not that, but I wonder if you guys had that with Shalotto, if he was someone who understood his limitations and wanted Robbie to run and Eddie to run and you to run, and he would fill in um, around you guys. Yeah, that was it. I mean, I mean, he, yes, when he wanted the ball, he would let you know, but he understood that if he, was, if he wanted the ball and he knew he couldn't win it and he was just showing so that a center back could come tight and Eddie and Robbie would get in behind, that was the right play. Right. And I think that Nico is of the same thought process and caliber. He doesn't need to see the ball all the time. He'll have, you know, Raul assist Jordan and Jordan assists Raul and he'll be the secondary assist guy. That's no problem. This guy just wants to win no matter what. Right. He wants to win another championship. So if I'm Joven, I do my thing and beat guys and, and play free and play strong and, you know, come inside and take a shot. If I miss, I miss. But Part of soccer, and you know this, is setting up the opponent that's, that's marking you, right? Because you know, as a left mid, your operation within the first couple minutes of the game, okay, you watch film, yes, but you got to get at this guy and see where he's at in mentality that, that, that day, right? If he's just going to come in and slide tackle, then you know that it's your day because he's not going to stay on his feet. And then you know the chop comes after three or four times that he's going to slide tackle you, and then you score. So I think the same thing is for Joven. Do your thing. And uh, Nico... If you do something well on the field, Nico's going to be the first one there celebrating with you. And that's his mentality, and that's why he's a great leader, and, and he's been so successful in getting these guys going in, in big games. Um, yeah, and I, I just think Joven's got to play free and just play happy. Um, yeah. I, would love yeah. to, I would love to see that more. And lastly, I think we may have discussed this, but it's worth getting into again. It's been, and I, I don't really enjoy these conversations anymore. I'm trying to get away from them because I don't think you can actually compare errors. I don't think you can. Some people were great in their time because that's the way the league was for that time. And that's how they played. And other players are great at other times. And it, it, it just is tough. But there is talk of this being the best, soundest team ever. My personal opinion is it isn't the best team ever. I don't think the season was a true season. We didn't see enough. It wasn't a 34-game season. They didn't play every team. Um, we didn't see those long summer months when it's just, you know, it's, we, we didn't see. But what, for what they faced, pandemic, going to the bubble, coming back, really good. Um, it looks like it's a good team with the depth they have. I think that's something they do have. 
There's been some great teams, though, I think. I think you can't forget the inaugural team, 2010 team. 20, that, that first three years, the runs to the Open Cup. You guys, 2014, support show team. I thought was, for me, maybe the best team I've seen in MLS in a single season until Atlanta and LAFC came along. So I don't know where you kind of stand on that. I, I don't know that it is. I think it can be. I don't think it's as clear-cut and dry. I think because they're coming at the end of uh, what could be a dynasty. I think it, it, you're factoring in the previous years as well. As a mm. single season, I'd say no. In terms of a collective body of work, this group of players from Jordan, Christian, Steph, Nico, what they've done, you can throw Roman and Joven in there as well. A five-year run, okay, it is the best run in club history if they get back to the final and then if they win, for sure. But as a single season team, I don't know. that. I, I think there's been some more um, talented teams. Yeah, I think that's a tough one. And I think the best way... I mean, talking with, you know, guys on the team right now and asking them that question, honestly, is, uh, is the best way to get that answer. You got to talk to Schmetz. You got to talk to Gonzo. You got to talk to Tommy and, and, you know, all these guys that have been there since day one and that have seen all these teams. I think if you sit down with like Tommy, he's always going to give you an honest answer. I think he'll, he'll agree with us that it's, it would be too difficult to say that this is the best Sounders team ever. Um, if they win MLS Cup, maybe there's something to be said for that. But there is something to be said for a long, full season and being able to do it for the entire year. Yeah. Um, I think in six, seven months, people are going to forget that Philly were the Supporter Shield champions this year. Um, it, just, it just doesn't mean as much, right? Um, yeah. You know, if you, if you play FC Dallas even this year, that's a tougher opponent than, you know, playing against a Vancouver, right? So – I don't know. That's a tough one. We got we got to ask Gustav, who's been here for a long time. You got to ask Steph, and uh, yeah. and even even Roman would be a great one because Roman was here with championship teams, and then he goes away and gets to come back and see this team because a lot of that stuff is also in training. Okay, yes, it's yeah. results based, but you also want to know what it's like day in day out in training. Um, yeah. And I think that this weird this year has been weird because they've only had maybe you play you you play on Saturday, you're off on Sunday, you train Monday, Tuesday. And then, you pra- and then you play Wednesday, and then you get off. And I don't think there's been, like, that consistency, like you're saying. So, uh, if we're talking about dynasty, I think it, this club, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Alexi brought up a good point that dynasties are in three-year blocks. All right? Win three and three. But it, it would be really hard to argue if this club wasn't, yeah. you know, a dynasty in this respect. Yeah. I, I guess one of the ways you can do it, and not even going to attempt to do this, is you can just take two separate teams from each year and just think – if you made an IPO 11 out of these two teams, yeah. you'll get in because that 2014 team, I don't know if, if I don't know, I don't know that DeAndre wouldn't play. I don't know yeah. that he wouldn't play. I don't know that yeah. Ozzy wouldn't play. I don't know that Oba and Clint wouldn't play. Like I, Papa, I don't know. So it's like you start to weigh up in that way and you see that, okay, we've, we actually have had some really good players. I think Rosales in his prime doesn't get into the team. I mean, that's a tough question. I, I can't see how he wouldn't. So that's where, but, um, but we'll see. It would be for finals in five years um really quick loss sounders win uh yeah yeah sounders win i think it'll be a tough game um i think it'll be more similar to the dallas game than uh than minnesota in kansas city obviously scoring three goals um it's going to be a tough one but yeah i think sounders win i think there's absolutely no reason why the sounders should respect this team um expect the unexpected uh, but again, I think like the LAFC game, come out firing on all cylinders because this team will look to counter you. And if you give them the opportunity, you're going to have a long day of chasing. 
And that's the last thing you want to do at home in a playoff game is chase a team up and down Century Link Field. Get on them early. Keep the pressure lumen, on. Lumen, lumen. Yeah, lumen, 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 lumen field. Lumen, lumen field. field. Lumen field. <laughs> um, no, I'm with you. I think the Sounders win. If the Sounders score first, like within the first 20 minutes, do what Kansas couldn't, I think. I actually think it's a comfortable win. I think Minnesota is going to yeah. try and chase the game. Gaps open up. The longer it stays nil-nil, or if they go up first, then it's a bit more tricky because then you have to open up. So there is potential for it to be very tricky, but I, I, I'll be shocked if the Sounders don't win. So that game is Monday night. Sounders, Minnesota at Lumen Field. Um, it's the Western Conference Final, a win, and the Sounders get back to a Minnesota Cup. We will know by then if he'll be hosting New England or going away to a tough trip to Columbus. And um, we'll know. But stay tuned. We'll be back at some point next week, hopefully um, previewing an MLS Cup final or doing an end-of-year recap. Um, as always, a pleasure. Thanks for locking in, tuning in with us. Thanks again to Christian Rodan for joining us. And we will speak to you guys next week.